0: Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, we're in a, we're in a series that we started last week. Uh, it's, it, it's on now? Thank you. Uh, we're in a series that we started last week in the book of Acts. Um, we did not start at the first chapter. Uh, we, you know, if you remember, well, you won't remember this, but I'm the preacher, so I remember it. Uh, I did a series two, almost two years ago on the Holy Spirit, and uh, I felt it might be a little redundant to go back, and I'm going to tie in things with the Holy Spirit. Like, I skipped Pentecost, which obviously is a huge event, you know, in the, in the life of the church when 3,000 people get saved when Peter preaches uh, that sermon. So we started last week in chapter 3, and uh, would you mind if we... Um, if, if the guy that we talked about last week, the lame man that was, that was paralyzed for over 40 years, would you, do you mind if he makes like an encore and he comes back today? Would that be okay? Because I couldn't really leave chapter 3 and, and I'm really excited about this, uh, excited about a lot of stuff in the book of Acts. It's, just, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's one that even when I'm not teaching it, I spend a lot of time in. I love to read the stories and just see the explosion of the church and what it means for us as people living today. Before we get into this, though, how could I not pray? You mind if I pray? Right? Prayer is not our last resort. Prayer is our first line of defense as Christians. Do you hear that? But too many times we wait and we treat it like it's a last resort, but it's the first thing that we should be doing. And Lord, Lord, I just asked this morning, Lord, that you, you do what you showed me, Lord, that you were going to do today. Father, I ask that that those things would come to pass, what I saw on Monday night, Father. Lord, I ask that there would be a level of expectation in this room, Lord, that people would meet you. Father, move me out of the way, Lord, but use my feeble words, Lord, to, to hit hearts, Lord, and we want change. Lord, we want to see you for who you really are. And spirit of the living God, you are a person. You are not some ethereal force in the universe. You are real and tangible and concrete. And Lord, we want to see and feel and experience that. We don't just want goosebumps. We want to feel and know you. We want to have a deeper relationship. We want to have the fullness of the Spirit, Lord, and may that be for us today. Lord, just rearrange the program that we had, Lord. Rearrange, Lord, what we thought we were going to see, when we had a picture in our minds. Lord, blow that movie out of this place, Lord. May nothing hinder, may no enemy, may no demon hinder what you have today and what you want to do, because we're an expectant people. Amen. So so we said this, this man that we looked at last week, and you remember what happened with Peter, right? This guy was, this guy was on the ground, and he, was, he looked like he was down and out for 40 plus years. Acts 4 tells us that this guy was paralyzed, and he was on a mat, and every single day he was laid at the same exact spot. We don't know who took him, but his friends probably took him, and he was there. And what's amazing about that story is Peter and John, they've been to the temple so many times. And they come by and they see this guy. We don't know how many times, but it had to have been a lot of times. And Peter, the guy asked for alms, and Peter said, Alms, I don't have you. But what I do have, I have a name that is above all names. His name is Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I need you to get up and walk. And we left that man that he was what? I had Tim and Vanna come up. He was, at first, he was leaping. He got up, he was leaping. But then where did we leave him? He was leaning. So we can be leaping and we can be leaning. You know what God hit me with this week as I was looking at this story more and more? His mentality had not caught up with his reality. His mentality had not caught up with his reality. Because he got up, and even though he was technically healed, right, reality, he was healed. Every bone in his body, his legs were, in, were working, everything was functional, but it took him a while for the mentality, things going on inside of his brain, cerebrally, for him to understand that he was a new creation. How about us? We're saved. we become Christians, and you know what? Sometimes it takes us a while for our mentality to catch up with our reality as Christians, not only this guy in the story. And I love this story because here is this, Are you going to help me preach today or no? You want to help me preach? I hope so. So, so here is this guy in the story, and they get upset though. They get upset. The teachers of the law, the Sadducees, all these, these people that know the word. They know the Old Testament, right? They know things in and out. They've been trained. They've been schooled. And they get upset, not because the man was healed, but because the method by which he was healed. You see, he was healed in the name of Jesus. Wait, didn't we get rid of Jesus? They're probably saying Didn't we crucified him? He's gone. What's up with these guys? We don't want to hear that name anymore. Kind of sound familiar to what we hear in our culture today? You could talk about any other name. Talk about Buddha. Talk about Confucius. Talk about Joseph Smith. I don't talk about whomever you want, but when you start mentioning the name of Jesus, because there's real power in that name, that's when people sometimes get upset. And here in this story, they don't, it doesn't fit the system that they have because the system has been put in place and these guys are calling on the name of Jesus and things are happening and they don't like that. And then let's pick it up and we're in chapter 3 again. So this is where we left off and look what it says. This is 11 through 15. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, now look at this, Just this is the same dude, Peter, that you remember when Jesus was going to be crucified before that, he's the same guy in the courtyard, Jesus told him, hey Peter, you're not going to deny me once, you're not going to deny me twice, but the old King James thrice, you're going to deny me three times. And here he was, he did, but look what God has done in this man's life. The guy that's cowering in the corner, the guy that's hiding, God says, I'm going to use you, and he brings him out, and he preaches a message at Pentecost, and 3,000 people get saved, and then after this story, he gets up again, and this is not the same Peter that we met earlier on in the story in the Gospels. And then he preaches with power. Look what he says, watch this. Fellow Israelites... Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. Release Barabbas! You killed the author of life. Look at this. He's saying this in front of all the teachers. The ruling council, the Sanhedrin, the people that have all the answers, the people that everyone looks to. Oh my gosh, he disparages them. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. If this is not an incendiary, inflammatory message for somebody that is a teacher of law, somebody that is steeped in religious tradition, I don't know what is, and I just gave you part of this. This is the same Peter that we met before. And he's preaching this message, right? And then something happens in the middle of his sermon that better not ever happen again in a sermon that I'm preaching. He gets interrupted. He gets interrupted. I've been interrupted before. It's been many years, but I know what it's like to be interrupted in the middle of a sermon. Like I told you, if you do it now, Jamal will be on you so fast you won't know what hit you. Jamal, I'm just pulling you out because I know you got my back. Right? I want you to see this. Now, can we roll into chapter 4? I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Have to kind of do this when, when we talk about the book of Acts. Look what happens. mid-sermon. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees. Now, understand this because you don't just get this when you read the text. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So they are foaming at the mouth. <gasps> the anger the hatred they have for this guy because he's preaching something that is diametrically opposed to what they believe, right? So the Sadducees, they came up to Peter and John while they were speaking. I had to underline that because you may have read this a thousand times and you may have missed it. To the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now look at this. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, because of the laws that they had in place, they put them in jail until the next day. Isn't this a crazy story? Right in the middle of their sermon, they're taken out. And I love this where it says, They were greatly disturbed. Do you know sometimes destiny can be a disturbance? Destiny can be a disturbance because God had destined these guys to do something and the people that were in the religious system looked at this, what God was doing, and said, this is a disturbance and we need to quell this. As fast as we can, we need to stop these two guys from speaking. And although, listen to me, although they were taken physically, God was doing something spiritually behind the scenes that they did not know and that no one there could fully understand. He said, I'm in control of things that are taking place right now. Don't worry about it. God was seizing an opportunity. And although these guys are going to be put in prison, anybody in a tight place, by the way, this morning? Because prison is a tight place, but it was the right place for Peter and John because God said, this is where my power is going to show off. Anybody in a tight place in their finances? Anybody in a tight place at their job? Anybody your marriage is in a tight place this morning? Anybody in a tight place? Because guess what? If you're in a tight place, you're in a good place because that's the kind of place where God does miracles. This is where metamorphosis takes place. The butterfly comes out of the cocoon. The caterpillar becomes the butterfly and it has to break out. Sometimes it's good to be. I like to be, isn't it? I like to be in a tight place sometimes. I like to be under pressure because I know when I'm under pressure, that's where the power comes from. There is pressure when we are put under power. Opposite power when we're put under pressure. Just making sure everyone's listening to me. But it's so true! And here they are, they're put in the prison cell, and then you ready for my, this is, this is the best verse. You ready for verse four? You ready for this? Look at this, here it is. Man, I have read this, a fa- I couldn't wait for this moment. I've been dying for this moment. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Wait, 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 hold on, okay? Do you know even at Pentecost, I underline men in there, how many women and children are part of this too? So there were 3,000 at Pentecost. We have another 2,000, but this is just talking about men. I have to think there were thousands. I'll thousands because you're not counting all of the women and children. But here is what God showed me, and this is what I'm most excited to show you. Ready? Peter is in prison when this verse takes place. Can I stop for a second? Can I give us an analogy that I hope you don't forget? Can I just totally change gears? And do you trust me? I know where I'm going. You trust me? Cliff, you trust me? Okay. I'm going to give you an analogy as I almost died. There is a book I read some years ago. Even if you hate the game of baseball, even if you don't like it, you may have seen the movie. How many of you read the book or or, uh, saw the movie Moneyball? Familiar with this? Moneyball. I've waited to use this illustration for so long. Okay. Michael Lewis wrote a book some years ago. Can I just give you a little of the backdrop? Because I'm actually going to show you a clip in a second. And here's the backdrop. The guy's name, the, the head guy, Billy Bean is the manager of the Oakland A's. And you see, they're like a second or third rate organization. They're a small market team in Major League Baseball. Again, if you hate baseball, just stay with the analogy. And they, you with me? All right, good. So, So they're a small market team. They're not like the Yankees. I can't put the Mets in it because the Mets stink. But they're not like the Yankees, okay? They don't win all the time. They don't sign people like, what's that that guy, Cole? They gave him a lot of money. You Mets fans better watch him because he's real good. All right, anyway. So um, they're not a great... They don't have a lot of money. Their stadium, it's dilapidated. I mean, they're a mess, right? So here is this guy, Billy Bean. And what he does is he's played by Brad Pitt. ladies played by Brad Pitt. If you haven't seen the movie, I think he's the, Brad Pitt was the only guy in Hollywood that is not eviscerated by Ricky Gervais last Sunday evening on that, the Golden Globes. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, so he plays Billy Bean, this general manager, right? Here's what Billy Bean does in the movie that's fascinating. He changes the way he uses analytics. It's called sabermetrics. So he uses stats and all, all this stuff that they now, he transforms really, in essence, the game of baseball and how you analyze, and using all these old data, and all these stats, and math, and all this stuff, right? So he changes things. He takes the Oakland A's, who are a terrible team. They're in the bottom of their division. They eventually win 20 games, and then they actually make the playoffs, and they're one out, one inning away from going to the World Series. They lose to the New York Yankees, He hires this whiz kid too. This kid from Yale played by Jonah Hill in the movie. He's this whiz kid that kind of like tells him what to do and what guys he should sign and who they should draft. And all the regular scouts and all the people in the organization are like, who is this kid? He doesn't know anything about baseball. But Billy Bean keeps running. He's like, please just stay the course. And they stay the course. And they're successful. But here's the scene. Now that you have the backdrop. Billy Bean is sitting there. They've lost. It's the end of the movie. It's such a good scene. And they've lost. And he's looking at things and wondering, was, did I, was I even successful? Did any of this even make a difference? You got it? Okay, if you would show this, please. Come with me to the video room. I want to show you something. No, man, I'm not for film right now come on seriously come on Billy come on the Visalia Oaks and our 240 pound catcher Jeremy Brown who as you know scared to run the second base this was in the game six weeks ago this guy's going to start him off with a fastball Jeremy's going to take him to deep center here's what's really interesting because Jeremy's going to do what he never does, he's going to go for it. He's going to round first and he's going to go for it. Okay? This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Oh, they're laughing at him. Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. Stay with it, it's powerful. He hit a home run. and didn't even realize it. I'll be romantic about baseball. It's a metaphor. I know it's a Good clip, metaphor. right? Stopping it. Good clip? You want to watch the rest of the movie? No. Here's what, here's what God gave me. You ready for this? You ready for this? Peter is in prison and doesn't even know he hit. A home run and cleared the fence by 60 feet here he is sitting in a prison cell and this is the picture God gave me on Monday night at 205 I saw myself preaching this and I told my wife when I got up in the morning God gave me a picture of this I see this man sitting in a prison cell and he's wondering and he's questioning did I go too far Did I say things I wasn't supposed to say? Was my sermon too inflammatory? And I think he went back to the times that he failed Christ. Am I a failure again? Did I mess everything up? And I want to tell him right now, yo, Petey, you hit a home run and didn't even know it. There were 20 people that got saved. Then 100 people got saved. Then 1,000 people got saved. And 2,000 people got saved. You know what, though? Can I be the first baseman this morning to you? Can I be the first baseman? I know it's not Mother's Day. Do you know how many of you moms are wondering and questioning if you made a difference in your kids' lives? God, this is what I saw. And God told me to tell you, some of you hit a home run and you didn't even know it and you clear the fence by 60 feet, some of you dads, you wonder, you're like, I, I didn't do everything right. That's right, you didn't do everything right. And maybe your kids aren't going to tell you that you were a good parent right now because they're kids. I'm here to tell you, you hit a home run and didn't even know it. No, I'm not done. I'm not done. Can I just give you a different kind of sermon because I'm not a normal preacher because I don't really care. I don't follow rules. Where are my teachers for Kidmo? Can you stand up? Stand up. Stand up. Where are the other teachers? for Anybody that's involved in Kidmo? Hey, you know what? God told me to tell you, you don't know with some of these kids sometimes, but you hit a home run and you didn't even know it. Hey, where's the prayer team? Stand up if you're on the prayer team. I know this is weird. I don't care. Anybody on the prayer team? No, stand up. You hit a home run so many times, and you prayed prayers that you don't even know the impact that you've had on people's lives. You hit a home run, and you didn't even know it. You cleared the fence by 60 feet. Think about how many people in here, things that you've done. I could go around this room. It's amazing that you're here personally, Coach. My coach is here, Coach. I don't see you a lot, but you hit a home run with me that I'm standing here right now, man. You hit a home run. You're the only reason I made it out of that place. You're the only reason I made it out of that place. You hit a home run. And you didn't even know it. How about you two? I've never done this before. Is that all right? You know how many times I'm your son. But do you know how many home runs that you hit and you cleared the fence by more than 60 feet and you had no idea? Do you know how many kids in school? I was a kid. I used to watch you. You hit home run after home run after home run and you didn't even know it. Wait till you get to heaven one day and you see how many home runs you hit. I'm still, but hello, you hit a grand slam with me, man, because I'm the one kid you didn't think would ever be standing here. Yeah, I could go, I could go around the room. I should just, I could just do the rest of this, spend the rest of this time doing this. You know how many home runs you hit? The time I was little, Steve and Janine aren't here. They hit a home run too. They used to run the youth ministry. You know how many home runs you've hit and how many lives you affected? You people that sing up here every week, you know how many home runs you hit and you don't even know it? You're clearing the fence. Where's Lee Walcott? Where's Lee? Where's Lee? Lee, you know how many home runs that you hit over the years and you don't even know it? You know it? You didn't know? She did. Putting the church together every single week for I don't know how many years in that building down there, that old white church building. Still scarred from that building? How about Mary and Joanne? Wait, I'm not, can I just keep going? You were right with that? How about you two? You don't see them behind the scenes. You know how many home runs they've hit and you, you don't even know it? You know how many times Pastor Linda and Pastor Joe and myself, how many times we've asked them to do things and you didn't know about it and they hit home run after home run after home run? How about our daycare? Can you stand? Hey, I need you to stand up and I need you to pop. Miss Sandy, you got to stand up. Tabitha, stand up. Stand up. You know how many children, how many lives you've affected as a director and Tabitha, you know how many children that you've affected over the years? How long has that daycare been in existence? 40 years, 30 plus years? Do you have no idea how many kids' lives you have impacted. You've hit so many home runs, and one day you're going to hear from God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul, you in the a home run every day. You're on those drums, brother. You're up here. You people. Bob, you run small groups. Jack, you run a Bible study. All you guys that run groups, you're hitting home runs. How about the ushers and the gatekeepers? Do you know how many people you've talked to and hit home runs and you don't even know it? How about all these people that give money this place? All right, how long do you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. I'm just, honestly, I'm so thankful. As Pastor Joe, he had no idea. I didn't talk to him. But when you commended everybody on their giving and the state of our church, how fitting is this? Peter hit a home run. You know what? You know what's amazing? I know this as a teacher too. You get stuff. You get a letter from a kid at the end of the year. You had no idea that this, you're impacting this kid. You have no clue, right? And the kid sends you something. How come we're the last people sometimes to, to know the, the, the progress that we've made in our lives? We're the last people to see it. We're the last people to know it and we're the last people to really understand it. And I think that's why this is probably a good idea to do once in a while, to talk about your, we're the church, but you're the church. It's not me, without everybody pitching in, without everybody doing things, without everybody at their post, this doesn't happen. I could go on and embarrass other people in this room, but I won't, because I know they'll really get mad at me if I do. Canises. No, really, I'm serious, I'm serious. We're not in this building if it's not for the Canises. Everything's con- everything is connected. Listen to me, everything's connected. Anything that happens is on their account too. Wait till we get to when I talk about Stephen, who was the first martyr in the church right? Who is right there watching this? He collected the coats of all the individuals that are stoning him, and they didn't follow the proper protocol. It is Saul of Tarsus who will become Paul, and he's going to have that incredible conversion experience, but he was standing there, and he says later on in the book of Acts that he never forgot it because he's watching, and he sees this guy Stephen, and Stephen had no idea the impact that he would have on the kingdom of God and the church because he said things, and forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. he looked at Jesus the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith and he followed him amazing what happens powerful powerful I could stop my sermon but I want to keep going is that all right yeah. can I give you a little bit more from this can I can I can we go deeper now yeah. let's go to verse 8 let's go four 48 so this is again this is my favorite part of the chapter right it's Petey, I can't wait. This guy's amazing, man. What, what God did with him, right? But then let's go to 4.8. Look what it says in 4.8. Peter gives, and this is multiple times, multiple times. You see this in the book of Acts? Look what it says. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, I underline that. Listen to me. I underline that because Peter and the others, weren't they already filled at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit? Wait a second. So they got filled again Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit when they're going to... Philip is filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit. Time and time and time again, we see in the book of Acts these individuals being filled. Can I tell us and just be honest? And you know why I love our church? Because not everyone agrees and not everyone has the same theology. But what we believe, what your pastors believe, and what I'll go to my grave believing is that, yes, as Christians, when you become a Christian and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can't earn it, right? You get saved. You get the Holy Spirit, right? You get the Holy Spirit. But listen, understand this. There are fillings of the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit the way these guys were and women of the book of Acts and moving forward. And I've taught on this and I don't have a lot of time to get into this, but understand there are two camps and that's okay. If you're a cessationist and you believe that the gifts in the early church that they abated and they were done and you know God used that to kind of get spur things on and get the church moving but those gifts don't exist today, That's okay. We're continuationists. We believe that there is another baptism that just like the apostles had to get filled for power and works that God wanted them to do. And there were signs and wonders in the book of Acts. I will believe that till the day I die. And I've taught this. I could teach it again. And you know what? You could have scholars and they both debate. I mean, I'm not, listen, that's fine. But all I want to ask you is where is the power in the church today? Where is the power? Martin Lloyd-Jones, an amazing, prolific English preacher, last century, and many of you may not know the name, go look him up. He was the lead pastor at Westminster Church in London. This guy was scholar of scholars at the pinnacle of his career, you can go find it, Pinnacle of his career. He stood up in front of his congregation and he talked about this. And he said, Many of you don't believe in the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he went on and he said at the end, if you don't believe that, and he said, Where is the power? Where in God's name is it then? If you don't, where is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives? He said this to a church, he wasn't some Pentecostal preacher understand the only thing that... Listen, this is what I live for. This is what I pray for. I pray that there would be a move of the Holy Spirit like we saw in the book of Acts. That's what's going to bring some people to their knees and see that God is real. You know what A.W. Tozer? Listen, I love the intellects. Don't get me wrong. I love the intellects, but I'm not going to be moved. And there's, there's a price to be paid as a preacher. I think in today's day and age, when we live so much up here in our heads right? And people think the Holy Spirit is weird. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not weird. There are Christians out there. They are weird, and they make the Holy Spirit weird. And if I was the enemy, which he does, and he does a good job at this, the way to thwart the growth of the church is to make people believe the Holy Spirit is weird. Those people would be weird without the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? This is what Tozer said. This is what Tozer said about the Holy Spirit. He said, In most Christian churches, the Spirit is quite entirely overlooked. Forgotten God. Robert Morris wrote a book with that title. Whether he is present or absent makes no real difference to anyone. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. There's a difference between having the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Come on, aren't you left sometimes wanting more? I've realized, listen, listen, I say this to Megan all the time. I'm like, I look at like Pastor Tom when Pastor Tom was here. He was an amazing speaker, right? Amazing speaker. I look at other people too. I'm like, if if things don't, like, if more people aren't going to want to come in listening to that kind of preaching, then I don't know what to tell you. It's only going to take a move of God. But I'm kind of done with the the normal, vanilla, ordinary Christianity where I walk into church and you know what? Maybe I feel some goosebumps on a few songs, which, by by the way, is not the Holy Spirit. There are songs that aren't Christian that gave you goosebumps and they still give you goosebumps when you hear them. The Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. He is a living entity, and he lives inside of us, and he wants us to believe. The problem is that we don't have enough faith to believe that things can really happen. We're going to find out. I'm telling you, we get to heaven one day. How much more was there for us, and we just didn't ask? We didn't fight for it. On a Wednesday night, it's fighting. It's putting on your spiritual armor and getting out of your comfortable house where it's it's 68 degrees or 70 degrees and getting into your car where it's a little bit cold and joining the body of Christ and coming around in prayer and fellowship and worship. That's where things are gonna happen. I know some of you work on Wednesday nights. I know some of you have obligations with your kids. That's okay. For the rest of you, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Where is the church on Wednesday night for prayer? You missed, he, he, you, I thought you were going like, to tell him what really happened at the meeting. Pastor Linda got up and it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was, re, it was really good. It was really powerful. Uh, he came, that guy Mike came up to me before the evening and He said, man, I was so energized the rest of the week. You good for the rest? You can come here on Sunday. You good for the rest of the week? Because I don't know what world you live in, man. I I need to be around the brothers and sisters more because it's hard out there. Anybody else? It's hard. It's tough. So to have that. Anyway, Holy Spirit, back to the Holy Spirit. But come, come out to the meeting. Can I give you another Tozer quote? Look, this is what Tozer said too. He has taken some, talking about weird people, what, what what, what has happened in the body of Christ, He has taken some fanatical, weird, wild-eyed Christians. Man, I've met so many of them in my life. I'm a pastor's kid. I get afraid when I meet new people. I'm so afraid when I meet new... You're a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? (laughs) You kind of back up a little bit. Are you the weird Christian? Are you kind of normal? A little bit, right, Tim? Pastor's this kid, you know what I'm talking about? Weird. A lot of weird Christians. Yeah, yeah. Who do things that they shouldn't. Yes, amen, Lord. And he has stationed them in the middle of God's cornfield and warns, now don't you go near that doctrine about the Holy Spirit, because if you do, you will act just like these wild-eyed fanatics. How good is that? Do you see what the enemy is up to? This is what he's doing. Our word as a church is release. And God wants to release. We talked on Wednesday, Pastor Linda talked about joy and celebration, that God wants to release joy to us. God wants to release his gifts to us. God wants to release his power. God wants to release miracles in our lives. The problem is we're not not getting into it enough. We're not fighting for it enough. Our fighting position, we have to be on our knees praying and believing that this is going to happen. I'm ruined for the ordinary. ruined. This is what our heart's cry really has to be. But I'm, I'm so done with, the, with, with everybody looking at the Holy Spirit like he's really weird. Like the crazy uncle that comes on the, I don't know, comes over for the holidays. And you're kind of like, I guess he's, you know, I guess we have to pay attention. Like, he has to be here. He's like related to us right? No, serious. That's kind of how we look at it. The Holy Spirit is real, and there was power in the first century, and there's power for things to happen in our lives today. And then can I give you the, can I give you my favorite part of, I keep telling you everything's like the favorite. It's the Bible, man. It's the Bible. Everything's good. Look what it says. Look what it says in 413, 14, getting back to Acts. Look at this. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. When they saw The courage, this is the the religious leaders, right? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Common men possessing an uncommon power because of who they were associated with. Do you realize what you have living on the inside of you? We may be common people, but do you re- now? No one's getting. It. Do you realize there is an uncommon power that lives inside of us because of who we are associated with? Man, a great a great title for a sermon would be "Greatness by Association." Greatness by association because of who we're associated with. Jesus Christ. These religious leaders said, how can these guys who are unschooled, they are laymen. Look what it says in the message Bible. It says they couldn't take their eyes off them. Love it. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. They're not really sure of them, They're sure of the God who lives inside of them. And the Holy Spirit was moving on them. Their fascination deepened when they realized these two men were laymen with no training in Scripture or formal education. They had all the training in the world. And they knew the Scriptures inside and out. And that's why they're looking at them going, how can we know all the Scriptures? And how come we don't have the same kind of power they do? There's a certain power that can only be had. It doesn't matter what, what, how many, you could have more degrees than, than a thermometer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we know. There are so many saints through the ages, different sages through the ages, listen to me, that knew God in a way that I want to know him and they did not spend any time in a seminary. Sometimes a seminary can be a cemetery and I've heard people say that, that went to seminary. Listen, I've been in seminary classes the, you, you know what you learned? You learn on the job. It's baptism by fire, coming into a church and doing it and living and seeing all the, the crap that takes place and dealing with it, the realness. That's the reality of it when you come here. I love it that these guys, look at them. They recognize them as companions of Jesus, but with the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, that guy's still there. Don't you love it? The dude is still here. He hasn't left. You would think he'd want to go get something to eat, go see people, whatever. That dude is still standing here, Peter is still using him as a prop. Amazing, powerful story. How many times have you read this and you just missed this guy? Come on, seriously. Come on, right? You read this story a million times, and we missed this guy. He's right there. What could they say against that? Yeah, you can't really say much against this. And here's what I want to tell us. We look at our limitations. How many of you? I always look at my limitations. I always look at what I'm lacking. I always look at what I don't have. Well, I'm not as smart as other people. I used to tell you and was very transparent about it. You know what it was like sometimes sitting down with Tom? Pastor Tom? It would take me a lot longer to put a sermon together than it would take Pastor Tom. And I'd be like, listen, I don't have the same brain that this guy has. Comparison is from the pit of hell too. We always compare ourselves to other people. It's, it, man, it, right? It does such harm to us. But we can't do that. And you look at these guys and why I think this story is so amazing is they didn't, they, you know what? Their limitation wasn't the lid. It was the launching pad. Their limitation was not what was hindering them. God says your limitation and that you're not schooled and that you're just ordinary, that's going to be the launching pad by which I take this church and move it forward. And I look at us, man. I look at us. I look at our lives. I look at our lives and, you know, you've probably heard, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, qualifies us. I don't have any, look at, I don't, listen, I don't know why he chose me to do this. I have no idea. Ask Pastor Linda, why did he choose her? We don't, who knows? Why did he choose you to do what you're doing? I don't know. But we look at our limitations and what we don't have. Just go, come on, man. Do you ever just go through the Bible and look at some of the people in the Bible? Rahab's a prostitute, great, right? Noah, I mean, he got drunk and did some bad things. I can't really get in. Let's keep it PG 13. Moses was a murderer, right? David raped somebody. Oh, did I just say that in church, right? Yeah, he did, right? He, he also had somebody murdered, right? You look through John the Baptist, he ate bugs, they ate locusts. What's, what's up with some of these weird people in the Bible? Peter denied, right? Denied the Lord multiple times. How about the Samaritan woman? How many times is she married? She's married more than once. How about Lazarus? Lazarus is dead. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? No, I didn't think of it. Wait, what's your excuse? What's my excuse? We come up with so many excuses, and the enemy, listen to me, listen to me. The enemy, the voice that we listen to will will determine the future that we're going to experience. The voice. That we're listening to is going to determine where we go in our future. And the enemy is sending us lies from the pit of hell. He's lying to us time and time again, telling us we don't have a future, we don't have anything. God hasn't called us, and He wants to keep us quiet, and He wants to keep us in our seats, and He doesn't want to keep us risking. We need to listen to the voice of God. That is not the voice of God. The voice of condemnation, the voice of guilt, is from the enemy. That is not coming from, from God. We need to be a people that understand when he is talking. And I love it. Last thing, music team, why don't you come on up? They've had enough of me. When you, when you, look, at, when you look at the last part, when it says they had been with Jesus, you know what I love about this part? I saw this in the news. I read this, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um. The uh, RFK Memorial in the city, there was an auction recently to, uh, to change and you know enhance and fix up some of the things that, you know, that were there. There was an online auction for this. And this is crazy. You could bid $50,000 to have tea with Oprah. Pretty cool. You could bid $42,000 to have a walk-on role in a film starring Tom Hanks. You could bid $70,000 to play a round of golf with Phil Mickelson and get like a a, a lesson. How great is that, right? All this money to spend time with people that society says are absolutely amazing, right? You know what God kind of hit me with when I read that? We can spend time with the risen savior for free. We can spend time at Jesus' feet And it doesn't cost a dollar. We can get inside of his word and we can read. Just read the book of Acts. Just open it up as we're in this series and watch things explode off the page. Man, I don't know if Peter, and my last thing. Do you think if, can I go back to Peter and John? I want to just close with them because I'm so drawn to their story. Do you think if they looked at the church today and saw that all we had, all we have, we currently have, you think they'd be surprised with how little we do with it? Do you think that, come on now, the first century church, if they saw, so we have social media, look at what we have. We have all the right, all beautiful buildings. We can get everything out with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these different things. Don't you think they would look at everything that we have and go, what the heck are you doing? They had so little, but look with what they, they did so much with the little that they had. Church, why don't we stand up on our feet right now? Hey, I I don't want you to forget. Remember, I think God's... But Listen, if there are people that are in a ministry in this church, I want them listening to this podcast at the beginning because they need to be uplifted too and they need to be inspired and they need to know that they hit a home run too and they didn't know it and they cleared the fence by 60 feet and they need to know and we need to know and we can't forget that the Holy Spirit is real. He is here and he wants to do things in our midst and he wants to change lives. Why don't you come out on Wednesday night and we have more time for prayer and let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Why don't we see it? Why don't we just start singing a song right now why don't we worship him and why don't we praise him come on let us let's worship and and praise his name together right now come on i will bless the lord at all times his praise will continually be in my mouth come on right come on church let's magnify the lord together let's exalt his name come on church right now let's open up our mouths and let's speak things out speak things that things out that are not as though they are speak into the atmosphere right now because the atmosphere is changing as we're in this series. Come on, the devil wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you quiet. He wants you to think that this isn't your time. This is your time right now. Peter had his day. Paul had his day. John had his day. Mary had her day. Ruth had her day. Moses had his day. David had his day. Abigail had, his, had her day. Come on, church. Our time. This is our time. To seize the moment right now city on a hill community church he's got us in a special season right now this is a season of release things are going to be released in our lives lord lord i'm believing right now that you're going to release things that things in the atmosphere things that we can't even see father when we are praying and we don't know did anything change in the atmosphere lord that we would know one day that we had a home run and didn't even know it that we lord take make it oh lord we're so comfortable take us out of our comfort zones Lord, make us so uncomfortable. I ask your people to be uncomfortable this week. Lord, may your people come in and may they open their mouths in a prayer meeting where they've never prayed before. May they cry out to you, the living God. Oh, Father, please, Lord, do it. Do it again, Lord. Do it again like you did in the first century. Father, I ask that we would have dreams and visions, Lord. It's not by accident you gave me that vision on Monday night at 2.05 in the morning. Lord, I knew you were speaking, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would continue to speak to all of us. Lord, I want to see the kids even touched. I want to see those kids next door touched. Lord, I want kids up here talking about how God is ministering to them in their lives. Old and the young, a church united, black and white. May nothing get in the way. No racial tension, no strife. This is a community of believers that are together. The church in the first testament, it says in the book of Acts, they were in one accord. May that be said of us, Lord. We were in one accord as we fought the gates of hell The gates are there to try to keep us out. We're going on the offensive this week. You understand me? You're on the offensive. Start singing that song. You're on the offensive. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.